I'm in between Bible books and a subject, so I thought I'd preach on one of my wife's favorite verses, verse 15, which says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Uh, Let's get the feel here. I call this, do you need a fast horse or a faithful God? And here we have uh, Judah is shaking in their boots. They're afraid of another invasion from the north by Assyria. Assyria had invaded them under Sennacherib, and uh, God marvelously delivered Israel in the days of Hezekiah. And uh, they were repulsed, and uh, Sennacherib goes back uh, to his home country where his sons kill him in a temple worship service. And, uh, but they always were having these threats coming out of the north, and God repulsed Assyria, eventually Babylon, will come in and invade them. And Isaiah, the prophet for four different kings in Judah, he is writing to these people who, according to chapter 30, what they had done, they were fearing this military invasion. So what did they do? They said, we will make an alliance with Egypt. We will go down to our old enemy because Egypt raises good horses. Uh, that is a great escape from Assyria. And they said, if we just make a deal with Egypt, and if we could get on a fast horse, we've got it made. We need military protection. Well, one of the uh, jokes of history is that Egypt was a broken power at this time secondary by far to Assyria. This Assyria, present-day Syria in the north, they were no one to mess with. They were in top shape. They were ruthless killers, and uh, Israel wasn't prepared. Israel fell already by the time you read Isaiah. The ten northern tribes had been conquered. Now Judah is here trembling, and what do we do when we're under threat? Let's make an alliance with our old enemy. And that will give us the protection we need. Isaiah shows up, and he starts this message. Is it alliances with enemies or reliance on God that will deliver you? Is it an alliance with old enemies that turns you into slaves And uh, God told you not to go that way again. God even said in Deuteronomy 17 to the kings of Israel, don't multiply wives and don't go buy horses. That's a weird, weird boundary. Why did he say that? Your king is going to come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. You know why? A horse could outrun a donkey. And he wanted Israel to know It's not your horses that delivers you, it's your God. I'm the God that is great. I don't need the military might of other countries. It's about like us trusting the United States military. That's all the protection we need. Are you kidding? 
the Russians are twice as hungry. When you live under the brutal government they live under, fighting is worth it. Let me ask you a question. Where do you go when you're in trouble? Where do you go when you're in trouble? And here's, I think, a maybe more important question. Where do you go when you're in trouble with God? Because Israel's trouble is going to come from God. He's going to use the invading armies to chasten his people, to bring judgment on them, but they're really in trouble with God. Let's uh, consider the reason for their troubles. Let's just track that out. What was the reason they were in trouble with God? Uh, Just follow me. Verse 1, stubborn children, declares the Lord. Anybody ever raise a stubborn child? I won't look. Uh, Carry out a plan, but not mine. You didn't consult me. You're making an alliance, but you didn't consult me. Who make an alliance, but not of my spirit. You've been negotiating, politicking with Egypt. Uh, You go down to Egypt, you don't ask for my direction. You're living a self-governing life. I don't need God. I need Egypt. I don't need God. I need a fast horse. I don't need God. I can get through this. I need money. Give me money. Give me a position. Uh, give, me some, uh, give me some drugs. Give me some old connections. I'll go back where I used to hang out when the blues hit me. I'll look up that old bar drinking crowd I used to run with. I'll look up the old crowd where I used to get a hit on a down Friday night. He said, you're seeking refuge from Pharaoh. You're wanting to get into his shadows. And he describes him going down to these cities, down in the Negev, and they're loading up their mules and their camels. They're taking all these, they're buying protection. They're taking all these goods down there and brokering a deal with Egypt. And they said, we got it made, man. There's nothing to fear in the north. And all the time, they're ignoring God's help. They're refusing God's help. Look at verse 7. Egypt's help is worthless and empty. Therefore, I have called her Rahab, who sits still. And one translation is Rahab, the do-nothing. Egypt is a do-nothing. They're taking your treasuries. They're taking your money. But they can't deliver you from what's coming. Because what's coming is going to come from God. It's like last night. Huh? What could have delivered you at 3.30 this morning? If God wanted to make it a 10-point earthquake, where do you run? I grew up with the black spiritual sinner man. Where are you going to run? Where are you going to run when Jesus comes? You'll run to the rocks, but they won't hide you. You'll run to the rocks, but they don't hide you. Where are you going to run? Where are you going to run when Jesus comes? When you're in trouble with God, you can't outrun the judgment. 
When you're in trouble with God, no matter where you go, the trouble is going to meet you. You can get rid of some old enemies. I know people moved out of the Bay Area to get away from the drug connection. But you can't move away from the God who's going to judge you. Israel, I'm coming after you. And I've used Assyria on Samaria and the ten northern tribes. I'm going to use Babylon because you keep trusting in your horses in Egypt. You're making alliances and you're refusing reliance on me. And so he keeps telling them, uh, when your troubles are from God, where do you hide? It's a terrible thing to be in trouble with God. We've always got God painted as a benevolent Santa Claus just trying to give away his gifts that nobody wants. But this God is a God of wrath also. He's a God. Notice, you don't want to hear about the Holy One of Israel. Uh, Listen to what he says to them. He goes on. uh, There's three things I would summarize that put them in trouble. Number one, they rejected the Word of God. Listen to verse 8 through 12. Now, write this on a tablet. Make a public record of what I'm saying. These are rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. I don't want to hear what God has to say. Now, watch what they do. Who say to the seers, like the prophets, those who get a word from God, do not see Don't tell us anything. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Make us feel good. Put another song on the deck while we dance on the Titanic. Please put on some songs that will make me feel good while I'm drowning. Paul told a young preacher, the time will come when men will heap up their own kinds of teachers and the art will be make them feel good. Don't ever let them feel bad. Kind of like the Robert Schuller ministry. Don't use the word sin. Just promote self-esteem. Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm nice when all the time I'm in trouble with God. And he says, speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Then God says, because you despise this word and trust in oppression, I am judging you, and you're in trouble. Hear me, hear me. Our greatest uh, safety is obeying what God says. Once we lose an appetite for hearing and obeying the Word of God, it's over. We're in deep trouble. And all you could really expect from God is the negative side of God, the holiness of God that must deal with our rebellious rejection of what He has to say. Uh, I I can't imagine a child uh, in your house just all of a sudden putting their fingers in their ears. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. Uh, tell me some lies. Tell me I really did get an A when I got an F. Tell me I'm doing good when I'm dropping out. Tell me everything's okay when I've just joined a gang. 
When you reject the word of God, you're in trouble with God. No matter who we are. God's word. Then he says in verse 15, they refused to rely on God. And he said, if you would just trust God, he would give you the strength to get through this trial. But they refused this trust. He's inviting them, trust me. And they said, we can't rely on you, God. Isaiah said, I'm going to rely on this God. This is the God of the Exodus. This is the God that enabled us to take over uh, Canaan under Joshua. He's delivered us, delivered us, delivered us. And now a generation in Judah has grown up and says, no, I want to trust something I can see, feel, touch. I'm into military alliances. I'm not into God. God can't, I'm not trusting what I can't see. I'm not trusting what I can't feel. I'm going to trust the alliance we made with Egypt. I'm going to trust something I can touch and feel. And so they refused to rely on God. And in verse 15, they refused to return to God. So they reject the word of God. They refused to rely on God. And they refused to return to God. They're in big trouble. They're in big trouble. You might be such a person today. Uh, you might be in trouble. And you know what we tend to do? Uh, the marriage isn't well, maybe, and finances aren't well, health, uh, all the human circumstances. And there is a side, and I don't think we want to get dismal here, but sometimes you need to ask, is your trouble coming from God? That doesn't sound comforting, does it? Because we always want to say, well, all things work together for good. Not when you're rejecting him. Not when you're rebelling. Not when you're refusing to cooperate. God is going to deal with you. If you're his child, he'll deal with you in discipline. But there will still be pain. I know people in this church, I cannot tell you how deep the losses were. The pain. I've been to the funerals that God used to awaken them to quit playing loose with God. God has all sorts of ways to get our attention, and trouble is one of them. It's why C.S. Lewis said that uh, pain was God's megaphone to talk to a deaf world. For we never seem to listen to God without pain. That's the wonderful thing if God would see fit to save you when you're young. Instead of having all these years of painful memories, what, what you can do by the time you're 23 is amazing. You can have a few children out of wedlock. You can have a prison record. You can have a marriage that's gone bad. You can have a habit you can't hardly whip. You can get into a lot of trouble really quick. And he's telling them, you're rejecting me. You won't come to me. You won't rely on me. You reject my word. So what do you expect? Let the good times roll? Well, they're not going to roll for you. You're in trouble. You're in trouble with God. I just thought when I was 
back with my daughter and the grandchildren uh, one night. They live out in the country. I mean, they're, they're country folks. They're on about a seven-acre place, and uh, man, there's, there's snakes, coyotes, and oh, and my grandchildren love it, you know. Uh, my, my one grandson's raising a python, if you can believe it. Uh, I've got, my sister would have already croaked if she'd seen the python, already gone to heaven. But man, he's all boys, got ten knives and about uh, four guns. Oh man, hunt, shoot, arrows. Uh, I don't know if he's spelled yet, but man, he's got the knives. He, he's all into that. Loves it. But one night, uh, my son has motion detector lights on the outside. Sometimes dogs could be coyotes, whatever, get into their garbage outside. And uh, the motion lights came on, and I was uh, awakened by that, and I'm just waiting. And, uh, you know, I was laying there, and it seemed like that motion light stayed on so long. But then all of a sudden, it went out. And it was like this stark analogy hit me. Someday, the lights are going out in all the universe. And to see a man or woman die without Christ, their last breath, the lights go out. And they never come on again. They're out. And God is saying, return to me. You're in trouble. Obey my word. I'm better than an alliance with Egypt. I'm better than an alliance with any human person, system, military might you can broker a deal with. Now listen to the results that will come for, for the rebellion. Verse 7, he said, uh, uh, you're, you've made an alliance that is worthless and just don't count on any help. Number one, your alliance will prove nil and void. Egypt will not show up and you'll be left alone. Don't count on her help. They are a do-nothing alliance. Two, uh, because you have despised the word of God in verse 12, you will suffer like verse 13. This iniquity will be like a breach in a high wall, bulging out and about to collapse, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant, and its breaking is like that of a potter's vessel. It will break so fine there will be nothing used to scoop water or anything to stir the fire with. I'm going to shatter you like a broken wall and all of the pottery that goes with it. There will be nothing. It will come suddenly, collapse. I'm telling you, Israel, your troubles are upon you and judgment is going to visit you. And Isaiah, the man who prophesied this, saw them go into Babylon and guess what the people of Judah did to him? They sawed him in two. They didn't want to hear this message, so they put him in a log and cut him in two in the midsection. I don't want to hear trouble. I don't want to hear I got enough trouble of my own. He's wanting to tell them how to escape the trouble that God is bringing, and he can't get their attention. So he says, judgment 
will come like a wall caving in. It'll be instant. It'll be thorough. It'll be shattering. There'll be nothing left. So he tells them, you're headed for captivity. You're headed for judgment. And no matter of religion, no matter of shutting the mouths of the prophets and the seers, no amount of rejection. Right now you seem to be in charge, but when judgment falls, you'll be shattered and fall like a broken wall. Sudden. Um, it's an amazing thing. When you're in trouble with God, the only one who can deliver you from divine trouble is God. God is the only one that can deliver you, and that's what he did at the cross. The only cure for your sins is God's cure. God has the only cure about how you've offended him, how we've sinned against him, how we've broken his commandments, how we've rejected his word. We're smarter, better. I don't need you. No, but thanks anyway. And God says, I'm the only one that can deliver you from the trouble that I'm going to bring. God's wrath is coming upon a world that has flipped him off and said, we have no use for you. Take it somewhere else. Matter of fact, Eastern religions are looking good as America is invaded with immigrants from all over the world. They're bringing their gods. They're bringing their religions. And this country is quickly losing a Judeo-Christian ethic. We're falling, falling. You know, we can't keep our young people after 19. They're gone. They're gone. That's the report. Your kids will be gone unless God regenerates them. And it won't be they just raised their hand when they were six years old in junior church and said, I believe. That won't get you to heaven unless it's an authentic believing. Do they really know the gospel? It won't be that you can get them to raise their hand. There must be a life, heart, trust. We must give them something to believe more than something to do. You see, what preaching's all about is trying to show how lovely the God is whom you are rejecting. The only thing I'm really wanting to do in this pulpit is to show people how wonderful, how lovely, how beautiful is the Savior they don't want. I'm trying to get you to believe someone. I'm not asking you to be circumcised like Galatians. I'm not asking you to genuflect. I'm not asking for your money, really. I'm not asking you for any works. Can I give you someone to believe? There's a person, only one person can save you from the trouble that's coming. If you think you're in trouble now, you've seen nothing. You think a little 6.1 earthquake is bad, wait until you read Revelation and see what's coming. When the islands of the sea flee away, I think Hawaii is an island. He said it won't be anymore in the tribulation period. It's going to make it disappear. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and I don't care how bad you want the happy hour and let the good times roll. It's coming. It's coming. The Titanic is sinking. And no matter of religion, no matter of good, positive self-image preaching you want to hear, you need to flee to the God who's going to bring the trouble. He's the only one that can deliver you from the trouble that's coming. And you clap because you're saints who believe it. A hostile world says, 
Man, that sounds like hellfire and brimstone. Well, uh, it smells a little bit like it. Is it true? Is it true? So far, none of the elders or deacons have asked me to lie to you. They've asked me to tell you the truth. And so, what is the remedy? What's the remedy when you're in and facing divine judgment and divine trouble? What is the remedy? Look at verse 15. This is the remedy. Listen to what he says. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Now this word here, this is ESV, and that's a good translation. Repentance is a good word, but the idea of the repentance is here you've turned and you're returning to the God who brought you into this land, you're returning to your God instead of going away in a false alliance. Return to God, Israel, Judah. Return to God. Why don't you go back to him? When has he ever failed to deliver his people? When has he not helped us? When has he ever failed those who trust him? Return, return. Come back. It's like telling the prodigal, come home, son. There's plenty of food in the house. There's plenty of warmth. We've got plenty to cover your nakedness. There's enough soap to wash all that hog manure off of you. Come home. Come. Return. Stubborn, backsliding Israel. The prophet called her like a stubborn heifer. I used to visit an uncle and aunt in Oklahoma. He took care of cattle for rich oil men out of Tulsa. And I want to tell you, uh, for some city boy like me, they were scary roundups. He would let hogs on government land, and they, would be, they were not domesticated. They'd grown the uh, tusk, and they were wild. Uh, and when they were getting them to market, they would bring a group of men I mean, everything from two-by-fours, they would charge you, they, they would gore you. Uh, let me tell you, he said, and when you were trying to get them up into a truck, they would just, you know, stubborn, pull back. And God said, you're like a stubborn heifer. I can't get you to move. You won't go. You're pulling back. You're pulling back. I'll break you, Israel. I'll break that stubbornness in you. If it takes eternity. He says, I'm, I'm saying this to you, Israel. I know about your alliance. I know about your rebellion. I know about your rejection. I, the Holy One of Israel, said, if you would just return to me. If you would just trust me. Rely on me. Guess what? I'll save you. Come back to me. I'll be your strength not the horses of Egypt. I'll be your rescuer. I'll get the glory. Why don't you return to me? Return, return. It's a moving, moving. And then he says, notice that, in returning and rest, and the rest here is uh, 
the repose that I'm back in God's care. I'm, 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 just, I'm just resting in God. You see, when you trust God, you don't have to have a nervous breakdown trying to get yourself out of trouble. He's enough. He's enough. And then watch this. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And that quietness is like lying down. Uh, I'm at rest if you're in charge. I think of my, sometimes we'd go over by the Antioch Bridge. My dad was a great swimmer. Grew up on the Grand River in Oklahoma. He could swim. But as a kid, I couldn't swim. I was scared to death. I'm afraid of water. And, uh, but I remember when he would take me out to water up to his shoulders and he had me, you know, all my confidence was in him. Not what I could do if he let go. If he let go, I'd drown. Whose arms are you in? Whose arms are you in? Are you trusting yourself? Well, you're going to just melt. You're going you're to be helpless when the armies come. You're going to be helpless as the troubles come. We use a saying, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Beneath me, I'm in the shelter of his wings. God carries his people. And he said, if you would just be quiet, not all of this. I'll take care of it. I'll fix it. You can't fix it. You can't fix your trouble. Only God can. And when you come to God, you can just rest and have finally got my case in the hands of one who's got all the strength, all the power, all that's needed, and I can quit fretting. He can take care of me. Is that a sweet repose? I remember something that's overwhelming. When the night I got saved, it's a Tuesday night. Uh, we were in trouble with Russia at Egypt, 1958, and I, I thought World War III is going to start, and had all those images in Richmond, all of the air raids and stuff we grew up with, being a war town, and my being born during World War II, you know, I heard about all the blackouts and all that kind of uh, war mentality. So I, I stayed fairly scared of Russia and world events. But I never forget that night that I put faith in Christ. As we were riding, because we met in church in 15th and Cutting, a little church over there, and I was riding back from church with my dad and my sister. We went through 10th and McDonald, and right there's Hotel Don in those days. Anybody remember Hotel Don? Sure. And I mean, when I got to 10th and McDonald of all places, I just, this overwhelming sense of peace, I thought, all is well. Push all the buttons you want, Russia. All is well. All is well. I had a guy just recently tell me, he said, boy, when you see what's going on in Israel and everything, do you, do you think it's, it, it's, it's about that time? It's going to happen any moment. Aren't you thinking? I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, I've been thinking that way for 55 years. 
I don't care what happens in Israel today or tomorrow. He's coming. I said, he's coming. And he may come when everything looks like there's peace, when all is well. He's coming. I don't need to be scared and have, you know, just a nervous breakdown. I'm really quiet in my spirit. I don't care what the Republicans or Democrats are doing. They're ruining the country in many ways. And I'm powerless to do hardly anything about it. But I will rest on the everlasting arms. I will rest. Now, if you want to watch TV all day, chew your fingernails, and fret, 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 and know more about politics than you do about sharing the gospel, go ahead and sin. You're wasting your time. Lead one at a time at the foot of the cross. I'd rather lead one little boy to Christ than to go and say, I voted. I want to lead someone to Christ. That's my politics. It's why you just can't stand me in the pulpit. Don't ask me to promote politics. They're bankrupt. Our alliances with either party, anything, any weaponry, my trust is higher up. My trust is higher up. Well, finally, a rejected God says he waits to be merciful. Look at verse 18. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Well, why are you waiting, Lord? I'm waiting for you to return. (laughs) I'm waiting for you to repent. I'm waiting for you to say you can trust me. I'm waiting for you to uh, cooperate with me. I've got plenty of grace. I want to heal you. I want to rescue you. But when I offered you this rest back here in verse 15, it says, you were unwilling. Listen to what they said. God, thanks for the offer, but we don't need you. Don't be hurt, but we just don't need you. Well, well, what's your alternative? Watch this. No, we will flee upon horses. We've already got to get up posse to escape our enemy. Oh, he said, is that right? And then God says, therefore, you shall flee away. You're not kidding. You're going to flee. Watch. And we will ride upon swift steeds. Who needs God when you got a swift horse? Or Colt 38. Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. By the way, you can trust God and have a Colt 38. Right, David? A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, and the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. And he's saying, Deuteronomy 32, 32, he said, when the rock of your salvation abandons you, one will make a thousand flee, and I'm going to abandon you, Israel, to your enemies. Go. You've chosen this. Go. And one invader is going to make a thousand of you run for your life. But the promise had been to Israel, your enemy will flee before you, but you've offended me. I'm taking away my protection. And watch what happens to you when I don't protect you. The enemy is going to invade you. Uh, I wait to be gracious to you. Uh, 
It's, I read something that Sophocles said, a, a Greek philosopher, and I thought it was profound. The keenest sorrow is to recognize ourselves as the sole source of all of our adversities. We produce the majority of the trouble in our lives. You, not your wife, not your employer, you are the source of the majority of your trouble. I'll let you think on it. Just a moment. Pray about it. I said, you. Well, I didn't have good parents. Welcome to the club. You must be a human being. You are blessed to have what you had. Well, I didn't marry good. Well, what were you thinking about? I wasn't thinking. And when you started thinking, you said, whew, I'm married to you? Yep. What you don't know, that's what she was thinking too. Huh? Huh? Wait, wait, we told you to marry only in the Lord. We told you to do it God's way, and all you wanted was sex. You didn't think you needed to do God didn't need to be in it. If you don't have sex, it won't make it. Okay, do it your way. Do it your way. Go ahead, Frankie, sing it. I did it my way. That's the problem with Frankie and those who perished without Christ. They did it their way. And that's your problem. You might be living your life your way. Why don't you rely on God? He's asking you to return to me, rely on me, and I'll give you rest. I'll be your strength. I long to be gracious. He's a merciful God. He himself will deliver you from the trouble he's about to bring on you if you just turn to him. A wonderful way when you're growing up, there's not any young people in this service, so there's enough that could relate. The greatest way to survive a spanking, I grew up under spankings. I know you can't spell it, but it's, I, I got spanked. And my older brothers and them taught me the secret. Get as close to dad as you can. Does anyone know what I mean? Boy, out here, whoo, I mean, it's flying. But when you get close, daddy, daddy, daddy. You just cut down centrifugal force. Just say, daddy, daddy, daddy. And that's what God's telling you. Return to me. Get next to me, and I'll save you from me. I want to bless you, but if you don't want to cooperate, I promise you trouble, for you've rejected my word, you refuse to rely on me, and you're refusing to return to me. What do you expect? I have to say, some of you don't need a counseling appointment. You need a return appointment. You don't need to see a pastor. You need to talk to God. He's the one that you're rejecting. He's the one that maybe he's dealing with you about some sin in your life or some attitude or whatever, some adjustment that you need to make. Uh, boy, I grew up uh, that you talked it over with God. 
You didn't run to men. Men cannot deliver you from divine trouble. You must go to the source of your trouble. How are you and God getting along? What's your attitude? And I would summarize it this way. Are you living in reliance on God or living in an alliance with men? And that alliance with men can come in many forms, money, security, all the things that we, we can be trusting in while we're rejecting God, rejecting his word, rejecting a heart relationship with him. He's saying, come, come, I long to be merciful to you. So I was praying a few weeks ago when this passage just spoke to me. My wife, I said, quotes it all the time. This is one of her favorite verses. And as I was studying it and praying, I was writing down my list of anxieties and fears and challenges in my little prayer journal. And I was writing this and that, and we need this, and we need that, and I, I don't know the answer to this. All, all the issues in my life, from church to family to grandchildren, you know, when you have grandchildren, you're never through praying, God to save your loved ones. I thought once my daughters got saved, whew, that's over, they're saved. Now I got 12 out there, and I'm not sure how many of them are saved, so it's never over. You know what I think? Even that night when the lights went out, I instantly thought, how many of my grandchildren will see the lights turned out? But as I prayed to the Lord, I simply said to him, listen to me, Father. I don't have any horses in the stalls. I don't have any horses to deliver me. All I've got is you. And you said you were enough. You said you'd be all the wisdom I need, all the strength I need. And it doesn't look good for me to have a nervous breakdown as a pastor because I can't see all the needs in this church met the way I'd like. It just doesn't advertise you well. He had a nervous breakdown trusting God. You said quietness and rest would be mine if I returned, if I relied. Quiet my spirit. Quiet my soul. Let me be content. Wait on the Lord, and he shall renew your strength. And as Jehoshaphat, the battle is not yours. The battle is mine. Are you trusting fast horses or a faithful God? Our Father, we thank you for your word, for the sobering truths, the gripping truths. I'm amazed that after all the rejection and uh, stubbornness that Judah gave you, you still stood to offer grace. You said you were waiting to be gracious if they'd only return. If there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, has never seen the loveliness that's in the wonderful person of Christ, that he is God's escape from God's wrath. He is God's escape from God himself. We get next to your Father in Jesus and there's no whipping there. There's nothing but embrace and enfolding.
We love you, Father. And I hope I never say that self-righteously. I love you because I can't help myself. Who else is there to love like you? Thank you for the privilege. Thank you. I would rather have a faithful God than a million dollars or a large military. I don't mind taking both. I'll take the military and the million, but they can never be the substitute for you. I've got to have you. Bless these dear people. Who cares for these people today? As you flooded my heart this morning, I prayed, does anybody love the hearers that will be there this morning? Does anybody care? Does anybody have any help to offer? And I thought, the eternal God, the Holy One of Israel, is our help, and he'll be here. And he offers himself. He is the help that can never fail. We bless your name and count it an honor to be a spokesman that says, come to our God, and he shall forgive, he shall rescue. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.